Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast that contains adult language and can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. We were in the 10th grade when this happened, putting us at around 15 to 16 years old. My friend Simon had previously gotten me and our other friend Dylan interested in energy. Not like electrical energy, but the spiritual energy all living creatures have. We discovered that air is my element, water is Dylan's, and spirit is Simon's. In the year or so leading up to this event, The three of us had played around with our elemental energy, figuring out ways to channel it, things to do with it, and all that stuff. I don't remember who bought the stones, but each of us had some kind of precious stone related to our elements, and we were constantly charging those with our energy. Of course, it should come to no surprise that people who are interested in this kind of thing are also interested and believe wholeheartedly in ghosts and spirits and whatnot. It didn't take long for us to foolishly decide to start messing around in that field. Simon told us that one room in particular in his house was haunted. It was a relatively soundproof room, set up with a nice giant couch and a huge TV. Simon apparently had seen many shadow people and ghosts inside that room at any given time. So, we decided to sit down in this room and try to coax said shadow people and ghosts, hoping they would appear on our recordings. This was a regular thing we did and we never had any kind of result, aside from random annoying construction noises from the outside, but we pressed on. There was one chair near the corner of the room which, for whatever reason, always seemed to be shrouded in shadow, no matter how bright the room was. Naturally, we decided there was some kind of demon sitting there, which we affectionately named the Prince of Darkness. This particular session started out like any other. Dylan and I went over to Simon's house after school, went into that room, and our conversation naturally turned paranormal. I had recently been talking to my parents about everything, trying to see what they thought of this stuff. And my dad had told me a story about a friend of his when they were teenagers. My dad's friend had insulted something otherworldly and was attacked by it. The attack had even temporarily paralyzed him. I recounted this story to my friends partly because it was interesting that my dad had experience with this stuff. And partly because I knew we were all a little scared of the attention we might bring when something finally did happen. We were right to be scared. 
immediately after we turned the lights out and started recording. It was very evident something was wrong. After a while, I started screaming for help, and Dylan was being oddly silent. Simon, the only one unaffected, flicked on the lights and immediately focused on me. I was sitting in the corner chair, the throne of the Prince of Darkness. For some reason, I always liked sitting in that chair, maybe because part of me wanted to be possessed for attention. Well, it certainly seems I got my wish on this day because I don't remember much of this happening. Simon tried to ask me what was wrong and through loud heaving sobs, I managed to tell him that I couldn't move my legs. I was apparently so scared that I had ended up just like my dad's friend. Simon kept trying to calm me down, telling me to focus my energy on clearing whatever happened to my legs. His assumption was that it was a ghost or a demon that did this. The entity must have put some kind of energy blockage in the area. Being that air is my element, it made sense that I'd be able to blow the blockage away. It took about 15 minutes before I was able to move again. At some point during Simon trying to help me, Dylan had gotten up and was pacing around the room, gesturing and mouthing words, but no sound was coming out. We tried to talk to him, but all he did was just smile this smug little grin at us. It was immediately obvious that something was wrong with him, and it didn't take long to realize we weren't dealing with Dylan. Something had gotten a hold of his body. Simon and I panicked and immediately scrambled to Dylan's side. We both tried talking to him, trying to coax his real self forward, but we soon realized that words alone weren't going to cut it. He needed an exorcism. None of us are religious, but we were horror fans and had seen movies about possession. However, Neither Simon nor I were comfortable with even attempting a true exorcism, nor did we have any of the necessary tools. So, we used what tools we did have, our energy and our elements. Simon grabbed Dylan and held him tightly, pouring energy into him and talking non-stop, trying to tell him to regain control that we knew this wasn't him and other things of the sort. While he did that, I stood back and moved my arms around like a vertical breaststroke, flailing around and trying to throw my energy at Dylan to push out whatever was controlling him. Neither of us had any idea what we were doing. All we knew was that we'd fucked up big time, summoned something we couldn't control, and now our friend was paying the price for it. We were just following our instincts and doing what felt right. It took about 40 minutes of us trying to get Dylan back until we realized he was desperately scratching at his thigh. We assumed it was just stress from whatever was possessing him, but then Simon realized Dylan was trying to get at his pocket. Naturally, we leapt into action and managed to get what he was scratching at. His gemstone, the one he'd been putting his own energy into for ages up to this point. The change was instantaneous. As soon as Dylan had the stone in his hand, his voice came through and he was able to cast out whatever it was from his body. 
We all sat there in stunned silence for a while, processing what the hell just happened, when Dylan informed us that the entire time this thing had been in control, he himself had been present and watching. We disbanded for the day shortly after this, both Dylan and I needing to get to our respective homes, and while we never lost our desire to make contact with spirits, we were a lot more cautious from then on out. For some reason, we never asked Dylan for full detail on what he experienced. All we knew for years was that he was aware of what happened. The following is what he told us when I asked for his story a few years ago. While we were questioning the room, I started to feel off. I didn't feel quite right, but I couldn't pinpoint anything that was wrong. Once Simon decided we were done and turned the lights back on, I just started staring forward and I wasn't really sure why. You guys were talking, but I couldn't focus on the conversation. Something was wrong. I tried to look over, but I couldn't seem to get myself to do it. It felt like I had no willpower. Like I was extremely tired, but without the lack of energy. It was then becoming clear that something was wrong with Rylan. I knew I better stop just sitting there and try to help. I went to get up, but nothing happened. Rylan couldn't move their legs. I tried to say that I was having the same problem, but I had no way to open my mouth. I started to internally panic while my body remained perfectly calm. My head turned and took in the room. I couldn't figure out why I was looking around and ignoring you guys. Then I started to realize that I didn't have a choice anymore. I saw something stand up and take control of me. It seemed really interested in looking around at everything in the room. In hindsight, I wonder if it normally wasn't able to see what we can. It would occasionally look at what you guys were doing while it carefully walked around the room. The footsteps were a little odd with the leg being fully straightened out before each step. It put its toes down first then slowly lowered the rest of the foot making for very light and quiet steps. It kept flexing out my fingers as far as they could go. I felt every single movement. I was certainly still in my body. It didn't feel like I was watching a screen or anything. My eyes were mine. I just couldn't move them. I was so desperate to get either of you to notice. I wanted so badly to scream at you guys to pay attention because it felt like there was no way you would still think it was me if you just looked. I would have cried if I could have. I felt so helpless. After what seemed like ages, Simon got Ryland to stand up and stumble into a run forward. Simon was so relieved that Ryland broke out of it and you comforted each other. Eventually, Simon turned to me and said something. It only gave a smug smile in response. Simon didn't seem to catch on and probably thought I was just being weird. He turned back to Rylan and talked about the scary experience that had just occurred. It started to pay more attention to what you two were doing. I think it was amused or something, since it kept smiling in that smug way. Eventually, Simon tried to talk to me and started to question my weird behavior. It mouthed a few words in response. I don't know what it was trying to say. I think it might have been something condescending. After trying to talk to me a couple more times, Simon fully realized what had happened to me. He became pretty confrontational. 
He kept on trying to decipher what this entity was mouthing, but didn't seem to get it right, which seemed amusing. I'm not 100% sure if this thing knew that it wasn't actually speaking. You guys started to talk about what you could possibly do to fix this, but you weren't very sure. I was so scared that there wasn't anything that could be done, as you decided to try funneling as much energy as possible into me. I remember Simon putting his hand on my forehead, and it felt really uncomfortable. Rylan was behind me. I was trying as forcefully as I could to move. If I had control, it would have been enough energy to hurt myself considerably if I hit something. That's how hard I was trying. Despite everything, I managed to make small twitches in a few of my muscles. It wasn't much, but it was enough for you to realize that it was working, and you pushed more energy. I moved as much as I could. I started to get angry. It was hurling silent words at Simon while fighting me for control, which made my body movements more erratic. You guys kept pushing more and more energy, and Rylan started flailing their arms. I was already getting worn out from how hard I was having to fight, and knew that I would need more energy than what you were giving me. That's when I remembered my stone. I had stored a ton of energy in it at this point, I just needed to get to it. I tried to reach into my pocket, but my movements were way too erratic to be able to do that precise of a task. I curled my fingers to try to push it up and out, and luckily my nails scratching on the denim made enough noise for you to realize what I was doing and pull it out for me. Once it was in my hand, I got the last push I needed and forced it out. I remember feeling lightheaded and out of breath. I think I may have cried, I really don't remember. I know I tried to talk about it afterwards, but I don't know how much detail I actually gave. I do remember the tension was broken once we joked about Ryland's flailing arms, calling it the windmill, and laughing made things feel more okay. As I'm sure you can imagine, Dylan changed after that. Something that traumatic is sure to change anyone, but there's a part of me that wonders, did we actually succeed in freeing him? There's a couple of weird things in this story, and one is kind of a tech thing, so I hope there's a possible explanation. I was 16 at the time, and I remember it well. My aunt and now ex-husband had been out with a friend one night, and were finishing up around 1am when their friend offered to give them a ride home. My aunt hadn't drank, but her husband and friend had. Everyone gets in the car and my aunt, who was notorious for never wearing a seatbelt, starts feeling odd, so she buckles up. Her husband, already buckled, teases her about it since it's out of character, and their friend doesn't wear his to prove a point. As they're exiting the highway, the friend jerks and overcorrects, and they immediately roll off this fairly steep incline. My aunt said it felt like five minutes, then suddenly, she woke up and everyone else in the car was passed out. 
She gets out, and according to her, she wasn't able to get anyone else out. Within a couple of minutes, emergency responders and my mom arrived to see that my aunt and her husband were outside of the car, while their friend remained inside. Now, my aunt never called my mom, and there was no log on either phone that my aunt had called my mom, but my mom swears that she got a phone call and heard the car rolling over and my aunt yelling, He's dead. He's dead. And then something about the area that the car accident happened. My mom got on the highway and drove in that direction until finding the accident within 10 minutes of it happening. I remember my dad had heard the phone call as well. I remember waking up to my parents frantically trying to piece together who was going and where to go and sort through everything. We waited at home for my mom to return. Eventually, we got the news that my aunt's friend had passed, but she and her husband had survived with minor trauma. Later, my aunt talked about the intuitive feeling that she had before about the seatbelt, but she had questions around her phone, which is my question too. She remembers screaming, he's dead, and that she was referring to her husband at the time. She said that he had died there and that she wasn't able to get anyone out, but that out of nowhere, she was out of breath and kneeling over her unconscious husband right before the paramedics arrived. We were shocked when my mom came home and told us that she and my aunt had realized there was no incoming call from my aunt earlier that night. In 2019, my 15-year-old tabby cat, Blink, named after Blink-182, took a sudden turn for the worse. He went from being lively and chipper, where you'd never guess his age, to having uncontrollable bowel movements anytime and anywhere. Eventually, it got to the point where, even without extensive tests, the vet was certain it was a form of feline leukemia, and we made the hard decision to say goodbye. As soon as we got home from the vet, I went home and took a nap. It was a full body shutdown. I have had this cat since the 8th grade. My best friend at the time's cat had kittens and, to my complete and utter surprise, my parents said I could have one. When we took him home, he fit in my hands. We played goofy games where my brother and I would parachute him around in a blanket. Amazingly though, he loved it and would jump right back into the blanket for more. As he got older, he became more and more affectionate. Every morning, he had coffee with my dad. Every night, he lulled me to sleep with his purrs. Every now and then, he threw a live mouse on me and couldn't understand why I didn't want the most wonderful gift he could offer me. My heart was broken. He had been my little guy for so, so long. When my other cat passed two years prior, he was there to hold me together. Well, as I am taking that nap, I have what I think is a very vivid sensory dream where he was nuzzling my hand. I didn't think much of it other than it was pretty cool, whatever it was. The next morning at around 5, I woke up to the sound of him crying, yowling. It was what he did right before he got sick all over the place. 
I sat up a little, disoriented but ready to go clean up the mess when it hits me. You can't be hearing Blink. Blink isn't here anymore. Then I felt something jump onto my bed. What you have to know is, at the time, I had a loft bed with large dressers beneath it. I wasn't easily accessible to anyone besides perhaps a cat. I looked over to where he would be and there he was, in the ambient light of my computer. It was just his shadow, his silhouette, but it was him. I blinked, no pun intended, and he was gone. Slowly, I felt tiny paws crawling up my body to where he used to lay on my chest. Then the disembodied purring began. It grew louder to the point where I knew his face was right beside mine. I reached out my hand and pet the air, completely befuddled and too in disbelief to really enjoy the moment. Slowly, the purring dissipated, and that was how we said goodbye. I think a ton of people would be freaked out by this, but I am forever grateful. Maybe it was a grief-induced hallucination, but I do not think so. I have experienced things I cannot explain, and this was one of the best. I love you, Blink. See you, Starside. I've told stories about my brother being abducted his whole life. Well, here's one of them about an encounter with an alien. One day my brother showed up at my house with this story that had just happened to him the night before. He was sitting in his living room that night, watching TV, when suddenly he heard clicking sounds and a knock at his window. He got up to check, and there was nothing. He went back to watch TV when he heard the clicking sound again, and he ran to look outside. There was nothing again. This continued twice more, but the last one seemed to travel from his front window to the back window where his kitchen was at. He ran and turned off all of his lights from the outside. At this point, he was mad because he thought someone was trying to break in. He had a bat with him. His wife came out of the room and asked him what were all those clicking sounds. She was hearing them outside of her window, and she also told me that she had heard them. He told her not to worry and go back to bed. Maybe it was just some kids messing around. He finally went to bed with the bat on him and turned on the lights to the back porch. At 2.30 a.m., he woke up thinking that it was time for him to get up for work. He needed to be up by 3 a.m., he sat up to look at the clock because it was next to his wife. He said to himself, it was going to take him half an hour to get back to bed, so he had already wasted half an hour of sleep that he had left. He lay back down, but when he turned to look outside his bedroom door that was open, he saw a tall man. He said it was about seven feet tall had long arms past its knees. The quote-unquote man had a long neck with a whiter forehead and a very thin chin. He lifted his head and said, What the fuck is that? And the man or alien noticed him and moved its head to take a closer look at my brother. 
he said that his head moved side to side like a bug. He said he became very afraid and covered up his head. He repeated, it's not there, it's not there. He looked again, and it was still standing there. The glare from the back porch light hit its eyes, and they looked like the eyes of a fly, but the color was red. Suddenly he felt very relaxed and fell back to sleep. He woke up at three, not remembering what had happened. Later that day, he heard one of his co-workers mention UFOs or aliens when the memory came back. He then recalled that he had heard these same clicking sounds his whole life since he was a kid. He always thought that someone was trying to come through his window and was always afraid that they would break in. About a year later, this same thing happened to my sister. One night I was sleeping with my sister in her room. She woke up in the middle of that night and she saw that same alien standing in front of her. It looked at her and moved its head from side to side just as it did with him. She was afraid. She tried to move, but she couldn't. She thought it might be sleep paralysis. It reached out and grabbed her. She tried shaking, saying, no, no, don't touch me. It grabbed her leg and she tried to move it away. Once she was able to move, she touched my foot. She looked over to the right side and saw that I was still sleeping. When suddenly, she was finally able to move her entire body. She could feel it was trying to tell her something or control her. When she snapped out of it, she was able to bring her knees to her stomach and got into the fetal position. She reached for the blanket and covered her face while shaking. She started saying, go away, go away. She put her blanket down and it was still standing there. She did this about three times. Now keep in mind, she wasn't paralyzed anymore, but she suddenly felt extremely sleepy and started hearing loud bangs, but fell right asleep. All throughout her life, my mom has faced death close to her. I have been lucky, as I had never lost anyone close to me until my late teens. To be clear, I'm not saying my mom is killing these people, or it's in a suspicious way. I just think she had some bad luck. But when I say that she has a connection with death, I mean that she knows when people will die before it happens. Not long enough ahead to reach out to them or anything like that, but more on a subconscious level, through her dreams. She's only ever told me a couple of these stories in detail, but she will tell me when someone has died that she had a dream about it before. The first time this happened, it wasn't a dream, but I believe she knew that this person would die before they did. She was a gymnast, and at a young age, I believe before 12, she was working on a skill that she hated practicing. Her coach was very tough on her. She knew that he was a lovely person in his 30s and had just gotten married and had his first child, a baby girl. Her being a kid, she wished that he would die so she wouldn't have to attend the following Monday's practice. This is harsh, I know, 
But in the mind of a 12-year-old, it's not that big of a deal. Of course, she didn't mean it at all. Anyway, you can guess what happened. A fatal car accident, leaving his wife and newborn without a father. My mom felt so horribly guilty. She blamed herself for years, but she knows she never meant it, and it truly wasn't her fault. There was just nothing she could have done. This accident would have happened regardless, but I believe her subconscious knew that it would happen before it did, because the second story she told me happened rather recently, a couple of years ago. For some context, my grandfather died of cancer when my mom was still in high school. A couple of years ago, she had a dream. She was with her father at home, having coffee and watching TV. He turns to her, and he says that he would like for her to come with him to her friend's house, and he wanted to take her husband out for lunch. She drove over with him, and he and his friend's husband, they left together and she stayed with her friend, who seemed upset. When she woke up in the morning, she saw on Facebook that the husband that her dad took out to lunch in her dream had passed in his sleep that night. She's not particularly close with these people, so she didn't know beforehand that he wasn't well. She told me about this dream, and that she's had those dreams before, always with her father who wants to go visit or go somewhere with someone in her life, who would then pass within about a day of the dream. Maybe she isn't connected to death, but just to her father, who uses her dreams as an outlet to connect with these people in their final moments and days. We'll never know, I suppose, but I hope one day she does that for me and my friends. I believe she will. Alright, we're back again with another creepy short story for this outro. Brandon, it's your turn. Alright, here we go. I was about nine when this happened. This was not my first experience with paranormal stuff, but it was the most unsettling. During my holidays, my parents sent me off to a short camp at an old school that has a dormitory built within its premises. We later found out that the dorm was built near an old cemetery. I made friends with the other kids and, unfortunately, one of the girls staying at my dorm room had to leave as her grandma was in the hospital. This left the top bunk of my bed empty. I found it hard to sleep, being anxious and away from home, and was the last one awake in our room. It must have been around 2 in the morning when I started to feel really uneasy. I was lying down and facing the wall, so I turned to see if anyone had entered our room. Instead, I saw a pale face, hanging down from the top bunk, staring at me. It's hard to remember all the details, but what stuck with me was its huge red mouth. It looked human, except it had an abnormally large blood-red mouth, and it was smiling, its eyes were wide with what I perceived as glee. The entity did not come any closer to me, but it stayed hanging over the bunk with that sick smile, and 
it started swaying. This made me scared to move past it as I sensed it did not have good intentions. I was able to contact my parents at around 4 in the morning and the camp leader moved me into another room. I spoke to the two people staying in my first room and they said they slept fine. I tried to look up what this entity could be but could not really find a conclusive answer. Does anyone have any theories? So immediately I think demon. Um, not really oh, for sure. ghost or anything. Just the, the pale face with the red mouth and yeah. smiling. It just sounds so demonic to me. It does. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to look. I'm looking up here. Let's see. Pale. Yeah, I searched pale face. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What'd you look up? <laughs> What'd you just look up? I can't. I, I had to I had to scroll down quickly. I couldn't. I couldn't. Even, I had to scroll down quickly. I couldn't even look at it. Would you look? I, I got to do it now. I don't know. I maybe do it it's now. maybe it's just because I'm in my room and it's late at night. Uh, it's dark. I'm by myself, but I I can't even scroll up. But just Google pale face demon. Pale face demon. Okay. Google image search. All right. Oh, is this the the Brian Peppers looking thing? Uh, it's all of it. It's like a collection of the scariest images that I. It's like it's the demon from The Exorcist. It's the nun from the movie The Nun, and then it's that yeah. weird flat pate, like a uh, plate face with the slit nose thing, and it's just like images that I can't even. I gotta scroll back down. I can't even. Yeah, look at no, them. This, this is bad. No, you're right. This is bad. This is kind of spooky. I do see. Are really you genuinely cool... scared by it? <laughs> maybe not. I think I have a higher threshold. I guess I don't know because I, I like clowns, so maybe that's like part of my thing, but I see like a, an Oni mask, I think they're called, like in the, the Japanese Kabuki theater, there's a really cool demon. Yeah, that's that one's cool. That yeah. one looks really cool, yeah. But these other ones, you're right, like the nun and the other... Uh, I'm closing yeah. it, I'm closing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking closing at it too, I'm I get you. It it's is starting it, to kind of creep up on me. Is It's like, the, especially the nun, because it looks like she's staring right at you. Yeah, Oof. and having seen the movie, I just kind of, I the feel The nun's really creepy. It is, yeah. It's really creepy. But that makes me think, like, back when I was a kid watching horror movies and stuff, I would always see something scary, and that image would get stuck in my head, and I would think about that all the time if I closed my eyes going to bed. Yeah, Yeah, I would always... That was the thing that I thought about when I got scared when I was alone. That's definitely what's there. What was your first horror movie that you can think of? Like, I know that's kind of a loose term, and not a lot of things are considered horror, but... Mm -hmm. What could you really think of that was like, that was my horror movie? I don't think it was a horror movie, but it was Tales from the Crypt. We, oh, watched, yeah. we would watch that on Classic. TV when I was a kid. And yeah. uh, the Crypt Keeper scared me at first. When I was, mm-hmm. Like, first time I watched Eventually, I thought he was funny, and I liked him. Yeah, he was him. funny and nice, yeah. He's hospitable. Yeah, the first time I saw him, though, it did scare me quite a bit. Absolutely. And I would think about him popping up out from underneath my bed all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, one that really stuck with me for some reason that's doesn't make any sense because it's not even really scary it was the there's a movie called Ernest scared stupid you know those, those <laughs> Ernest movies don't laugh at me yes. don't laugh at me motherfucker no 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 I'm, I'm laughing at the movie itself I love that I love okay. that it's called Ernest scared stupid <laughs> yes it's, I love that it's pretty bad you, you got a genuine laugh out of me too I try to suppress that <laughs> laugh for the show but whatever there it is there's a there's a scene it, it has like these evil trolls in it and mm-hmm. there's a scene where this kid like looks under the bed either that or he like rolls over and it's like a jump scare of this troll's face 
Yeah. And it's like a practical effect mask. Like, it's not like a CGI or anything, because this was in the 90s, early, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And it just looked so grotesque and disturbing. And it was such a close-up of just his face on the screen and just his big, ugly face on the screen with me sitting on the floor right up against the TV. Oh. I, like, it, like, pushed me back. Like, I, I fell backwards because I was so scared. Damn. And uh, that image was stuck in my head for a long time. Did you have anything from when you were a kid that was just unreasonably scary to you that you can remember? Yeah, actually, uh, I was really obsessed with Fantasia as yeah. a kid um, <laughs> from the age of like two. And that's how I learned how to operate a VCR was Fantasia. But from the ages of two up until, I guess, technically today. But anyway, the very last like segment or whatever of the music, Night on Bald Mountain, the one with yeah. Yeah, like, this like this demonic I guess it's supposed to be the devil it's supposed to I don't be like know. Satan yeah yeah, yeah. but that's like whole raising thing, like the dead ghosts out of yeah, yeah. raising the yeah. dead out of yeah it, it's really whole cool thing. but as a kid that scared me too in fact my grandma who's the one who rented it when it came out mm-hmm. and watched it before I, I was able to watch it but she told my parents that you shouldn't let him watch it it's demonic so I never even got to watch it as a kid uh, oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. It wasn't until I was older that I got to see it, and it's so good. But yeah, that's scary. As soon as like his wings start like poking out of his back and he turns his head, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I very specifically remember that being my first moment of terror as a child, just nice. looking at a screen and okay. being scared to death. I remember that very vividly, and I couldn't have been older than three years old. But now I love it, but it yeah. still kind of gets me in a certain way. I know you love it because there was that time you were staying with me. <laughs> God, and, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and I went upstairs to do something for a bit. I think I had to take a shower or do something. And I'm like, you're going to be cool. And you're like, yeah, sure. And I come downstairs and you're just like wide eyed watching Fantasia in the middle of the night. It was like, like a one child. in the morning. Yeah. A total child. Yeah. Yeah. Like a child. And it was, it was great. I loved it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unreasonably scary. But I, when I read this story, I think of a demon. That's that's what I think. I think For you were sure. dealing with a demon, and luckily it didn't follow you home, and uh, it was just a one-off experience. Uh, did do we did we get the author for that story? I don't think we named we gave. I don't think we gave them credit. Yeah, actually, that was sent in by Rosa. Yeah, she included a link to her Reddit post where she shared this story on the subreddit Ghost Stories. Okay. So thank you for that, Rosa. Yeah, I love the Reddit stories. We should probably dive back into some of those eventually. Um, I think so, too. There's just so many great scary ones on there. Um, yeah, thanks, Rosa, for sending that in. That's a really scary story. And it actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably think about that tonight when I go to bed and... I'm not going to be able to get the image out of my head, especially after looking at those Google images. Yeah, I have a, I have trouble with uh, the faces of monsters and demons and stuff. They scare me so bad. I don't know. Masks and stuff really scare me too. I remember uh, the haunted mask, the Goosebumps. Oh yeah, uh, episode. It was like the first episode. That was the first book I read. Yeah. yeah, it's the the image scared me so bad in the TV show. It really freaked me out. You know, I was way too old to be scared of that. <laughs> but uh, yep. Yeah, that was a cool story, and thank you for sharing that, and thank you all for listening to the podcast. This week you have heard, The day my friend got possessed by Rylan, my aunt was saved by a glitch in 2017 by Pixie0321, Ghost Kitty Says Goodbye by Michaela, The Mantis Alien Visited Two Different Family Members by Iziad0128, My Mom Has a Connection with Death by Ryan, and finally, a human-like entity with a large red mouth by Rosa. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of the respective authors. 
Don't forget to join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash odd trails for ad free versions of all of our episodes at a higher audio bit rate for the best listening experience. And remember, if you have a story to share, you can send it to stories at oddtrails.com. See you guys next week. Stay safe. Peace out.